Uh, our text this morning is Mark fifteen forty through sixteen eight, and um, let's read it together. I'll give you a, a minute to turn there if you haven't already. Um, last week we looked at the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, and today, as Nathan said, we're going to look at the eucatastrophe of the burial of Jesus, and then the endless hope of the resurrection. Uh, so let's, let's read this together. Starting in verse 40. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he, that is Jesus, was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where, they, where he was laid. When, Sabbath, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Let's, let's pray and ask for his blessing of illumination. Father, thank you for this morning, for this eucatastrophe of the greatest depth of sorrow in the history of man and the greatest height of joy that any man could hope for. I pray this morning that you would help us to see it, help us to live in its reality, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name, amen. I am tired of my COVID-19 life. And while I will continue to mask up in public and keep social distance from others, I'm tired of this COVID life. I'm tired of talking about it. 
even though I am right now. I'm tired of seeing the case tally on news websites. I'm tired of seeing what it's taking from me and from others. I'm tired of canceled events and prohibited hugs and Zoom calls. I am tired of the smell of second-rate hand sanitizer. I'm tired of living my life as if the person approaching me in the grocery store is an imminent threat to my safety. I'm tired of sports without cheers and funerals without mourners. I'm tired of businesses being affected. I'm tired of untimely deaths. I'm tired of wondering when it will be over. And I believe many of us, if not all of us this morning, feel the same way. When will this COVID life be over? When will things be back to the way they used to be? It's this question specifically that I want us to ponder this morning. When will things just get back to the way they used to be? And is that really what we want? To go back? Let's look at the text together. Verses 40 and 41 of chapter 15. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who had come up to Jerusalem with him. Our passage today, it begins and it ends in the eyes of the women. These faithful women who followed Jesus up from, Jerusalem, uh, up from Galilee to Jerusalem. There are three mentioned by name, and then the text adds there were many others. And they had ministered to him in Galilee. They had been part of his ministry by ministering to him. They had put their hope in Jesus. And now they have just watched him be put to death brutally. Things were never going back the way they were. And then there's Joseph of Arimathea. Look at verse 42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went up to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, there is a difference between understanding the facts of this narrative and engaging in the experience of it. I want to invite you for a few minutes. Let's get inside the experience of Joseph and these women. Why did it take courage for Joseph to approach Pilate and ask for Jesus' dead body. Was he afraid of Pilate? Was he afraid of standing before a Roman official? Maybe. That's, I would be terrified, even in rubber boots. I, I would be scared. It's possible. But the text says he was a, re a respected member of the council. And we know from John's gospel that Joseph was a secret follower of Jesus. 
He was looking for the kingdom of God. But he was afraid to align himself with Jesus' mission. He was following from a distance. He was afraid of what the Jews, his peers, would do to him if they found out. He was afraid he would lose his position in the ruling class and possibly even his life if his peers knew that he loved rather than loathed Jesus Christ. But there was more to Joseph than fear. Something about the spectacle of the crucifixion shook him out of the prison of his fear that he had been living in, and the text says he took courage. Now we read this familiar text and we just think, okay, Joseph buried the Lord Lord in the tomb. He he took care of that part as part of the plan um, because Jesus has got to rise from the grave, so somebody's got to put him there. So Joseph played his role. And now what's next? What's the next fact that I can tally on this trip through this passage? No, listen, this, this man did an amazing thing. This wasn't Joseph took courage and picked up his neighbor's grocery, groceries on the way home from work. Although, wonderful thing to do for someone, right? No, Joseph, he took courage and he did something amazing. Have you ever thought about what just happened? This man who had been afraid to show his devotion in public during the life of Jesus has just taken an action that cannot be undone. It cannot be undone. He has now identified himself in public with the crucified Jesus. This is extraordinary. The text says in 46 that Jesus, Joseph took Jesus down and wrapped him in a linen cloth. Down from what? Down from where? Joseph took Jesus' dead body down from the cross. Can you imagine that? I have never thought about that. As if Jesus somehow miraculously went from this elevated death machine to the tomb. No, Joseph actually, did he actually remove Jesus' body from the cross? I started wondering. So I looked at the parallel accounts in the other Gospels. Luke also says that Joseph took the body of Jesus down. Can you imagine what it would have been like to remove Jesus' dead body from the cross? To pry the railroad spike-sized nails out of his hands and feet? To somehow wrestle the, the mangled and bloody body of Jesus to the ground? Joseph was a rich man, so perhaps his servants helped him, but Joseph could no longer hide his affection and devotion to Jesus Christ. He would have been covered in Jesus' blood. as he wrapped his arms around the body of Jesus to bring him down, was he weeping? Had he longed to embrace Jesus while he was alive and now could only embrace him in his death? We cannot say for sure what it was like at that moment for Joseph. But this we can say, 
For Joseph, there was no going back to the way things were. Things were never going back to the way they were for him. And now Mark turns our attention back to the women. The text says that some of the women saw where the tomb was. They knew where he was buried. They even saw like how he was put in and where he was laying. Now look at 16, 1 through 3. Let's look at it together. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Do not make a mistake here. The women are going back to the tomb expecting to find the dead body of Jesus. How do we know? Well, they bought spices so they could go and anoint his body. Normally, you would not wait this long to do that, but Jesus was probably buried just minutes before the Sabbath began. I mean, the, from the time Jesus died on the cross to when Nicodemus and Joseph, Nicodemus we know helped from, from John, um, for them to get Jesus wrapped and into the tomb, there wasn't much time. And so the women have bought this ointment, and, and these spices, and they're going to go and they're going to anoint the dead body of Jesus. But when they arrive at the tomb, they're astonished. The stone which they'd been worried about was removed. Look at verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. If there has ever been a things are not going back to the way they were moment in the history of the world, it's this moment. The whole experience for the women was one big status quo explosion. The empty tomb, the presence of the angel, the proclamation that Jesus is risen, and the news that Jesus will be in Galilee waiting for them and that they will see him. See him. Alive after that. Status quo explosion. Equilibrium upset. Things are not going back to the way they were before. So many of us are longing to go back. And in some sense, things will go back, right? Someday, and I hope soon, restaurants will be full again. Mexican ones in particular, for me. Home runs and touchdowns will be met with thunderous applause and cheering. We will hug again. Businesses will reopen without plastic circles glued to the ground, saying, stand here. To some extent, things around us will go back to the way they were. But you and I have very little, if any, control over when that's going to happen. I want out of this COVID life. I do. But what if the way out of this COVID life isn't back at all? What if the way out is forward? What if the way out is on? 
Look at the text. Verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The angel's message is not get back to Galilee. It's go on to Galilee. Did you see that? Now you might say, but Eric, Galilee's back. That's where they came from. So going to Galilee is back. In location, yes. But you have to understand, they are not going back to Galilee. They are going on to Galilee. Not to a life as they knew it, but to life as they were going to find it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Death has no sting. Grave has no victory. The women can't see it at first. This joyous message that Christ was risen, it it didn't lead immediately to joy. First it led to bewilderment, astonishment, fear. Should we be surprised by that? I don't think so. You see, when Jesus calmed the storm, when the disciples were afraid, what was the result? Was it joy? Terror. Do you remember that? We looked at that passage together on our way here. What about at the transfiguration? Peter, James, and John, they see a glorified Jesus transfigured before them, standing with Moses and Elijah, What was their response? They were afraid. You see, the women are faced with the reality of the resurrection, and Mark tells us they were seized, grabbed a hold of, controlled by trembling and astonishment. They did not speak to anyone immediately because they were afraid. And we know from the other Gospels that their astonishment and fear, it did soon lead way into astonishment and joy. It did, but it wasn't immediate. And it isn't for us either. But the way out is on. But on to what? What what am I saying we should get on to? What's so special about Galilee for them? Do you see it? Look at your scripture. What is so special about Galilee now? Somebody yell it out. Okay, it's home. What? They're going to see him there. See, Jesus is in Galilee now. And they're going to see him. So what does this have to do with COVID-19? How does our belief in our future resurrection affect what we're going through right now? Listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only a hope for future glory. It's a reality for our present, even now. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality for our present. It's the reality. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reality for what you are currently going through. 
I asked a good friend this weekend, how often do you think about the resurrection? And my friend said this, I don't know. Maybe once a week? When I think about death, I think about it. Not every day. I'm with my friend. And so I followed up with another question. So are you saying that the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ doesn't play um, a role in, in the decisions that you make? It doesn't, doesn't shape your daily life? My friend said, probably just the big stuff. Listen, the present reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ should shape us in every way as we get on to Galilee. It should be the air that we breathe. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ should set the boundaries of every conversation and be the air beneath every hope and be the catalyst for every thought, word, and deed in our lives. Folks, this virus has sucked the life out of society. And if we don't live every day in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it will attempt to suck the life out of us. I'm going to speak figuratively for a few minutes. I I hope you can come with me on this. If you're currently sitting around waiting for this virus to be over so that you can serve and love Jesus Christ again, get up and get on together. And I'm not talking about ignoring state protocols or even just even getting out more. I'm talking about our hearts and minds more than our bodies. Jesus Christ is risen. Amen. We we sang wonderful songs this morning about the resurrected Jesus Christ. But some of us are sitting at the tomb and looking back. I hope we can just get things back to the way they used to be. Folks, I'm not satisfied with the way things used to be. I'm not. My goal is not how it was in February. This week as I have lived in this text, I realize, sadly, I've been sitting at the tomb, lamenting the loss of what used to be. It'll be over in June. Things will be back to normal in July. By the time school starts, everything's going to be okay. It's not. But I'm okay with that. Because I'm not looking back to what used to be. I'm longing at this moment for what will be as we follow Jesus Christ together. This is a message anyone could take advantage of from the Lord's Word, I'm talking mainly to Mountain Fellowship. I miss Ryan's large mouth bass slippers. Thank you. I miss Country Gandalf walking to the microphone with beard ornaments to make home repair ministry announcements. People on YouTube are thinking, what is he talking about? I miss, I, I miss us as a family joyfully and sometimes in a silly manner following Jesus Christ together. 
If we're sitting at the tomb, let's wake up and find ways to serve Jesus right now in the midst of this chaos. So many pundits are saying things like, people, you're just going to have to get used to a new normal. We're just going to have to accept a new normal. I am ready for a new normal, and it's this. Men and women kneeling before the risen Jesus Christ in worship and love and devotion. I'm ready for that new normal in this world. And we as a church can get on to Galilee and be part of that process. And when our fear and our astonishment subsides, we will open our mouths and tell others about it. We can start today, even now, to let the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ shape us. For Jesus has gone before us. One day we will see him face to face. Father, the way for us is not back. It is forward and on. On to Galilee. On to the Mount of Olives. On to the world to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to every tribe and tongue and nation. And on to glory. There is so much unmitigated hope for Mountain Fellowship, for the Christian, and even for the world. Help us. Help us even now with social distances and masked faces, whatever else other precautions that we may take or society may ask us to take. Help us to live now joyfully as we get on to Galilee to see the risen Christ. We pray in His name.